welcome to the Time Shifters podcast. I'm your host, Christopher. This podcast takes a fun look at the films of long past, recent past, and the almost present, as well as the events and news surrounding them. I would love to hear from you, and there are several ways to get in touch with the show. Look for the Time Shifters podcast group on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Time Shifters Pod, or you can send us a typed or recorded message to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and please check us and our fellow podcasters out over on podchaser.com. Please rate and review the show at any of these outlets. All these links can be found on timeshifterspodcast.com. Now let's head to the Timeshifter studio and start the show. Everyone, and welcome back to the Time Shifters podcast. And man, do we have a full house with for you today. I am joined not just by my new wonderful co-host, Tom. Tom, welcome back. Thank you, sir. We have got a kind of almost semi-regular host now. Floyd is with us. Hello. Yay, Floyd. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> also with us uh, from the Good Beer, Bad Movie Night podcast is our friend Pete Quint. Good evening. How you doing, Pete? Thanks for joining us. Excellent. <laughs> and yet another podcaster from the B-Movie cast, can I present Nick Brown. You can present me. Thank you. Yay, Nick is here. <laughs> Gentlemen, Let's all of sure. you, thank you very much for joining us and coming on the show today. This is going to be a good time. Yes. Looking forward to it, Christopher. This is, I've been looking forward to this for quite some time. Now let's see, let's go with someone who's never been on the show before. We'll start with Nick here. Uh, Nick, here's your chance to really kind of tell the world or tell the Time Shifters audience, if they're not already a fan of the B-Movie cast and of your other projects, for you to uh, kind of pip yourself, sir. Well, I'm going to set the bar pretty low or maybe pretty high. I don't know for the pimping, but first off, folks, uh, as Christopher said, I am uh, with the B-Movie Cast podcast, and I encourage everyone to visit bmoviecast.com and check out the cast. We're, uh, we've got some really good shows lined up for uh, the next couple of weeks, and we just posted uh, our back-to-back Land That Time Forgot followed by People That Time Forgot. And we're looking at some other stuff with uh, Adrian Smith from the U.K. and Mark Mostyn from the U.K. coming up soon. Excellent. Uh, also, we've been nominated for a Rondo Award. So please Woo! visit wow. Google the Rondo Awards and then go through the very complicated process of cutting and pasting into an email to send to the guy who runs the Rondo Awards, and you can vote for us. We're in Category 19, that is Best Multimedia Site, which is Podcasts and Videos. Excellent. Well, congratulations. So, wow. Thank and, you. And for everyone, just so you know, you can vote for as few or as many categories in the Rondo Awards. You don't have to, like, vote for every single. So just when he says I'm category 19, if you don't want to v- mess with 1 through 18, you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. You can just vote for them or, you know, a- a- any of the other categories that you like. That can get overwhelming when you see that ballot. You're like, what am I supposed to do here? Goodness yes. gracious. But yeah, yeah I, I I heard that many years ago and, you know, I could just go in and 
vote for who I like and just the stuff that I know. Excellent. Well, and every vote counts, so we appreciate it, please. Absolutely. And Nick, podcasting isn't your only thing. What else it is isn't? going on? No, I well, know. Well, as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, uh, my wife and I are getting ready to release our second B movie cookbook. That is going to premiere at the uh, Monster Bash this summer in uh, Mars, Pennsylvania. Uh, also, I am uh, currently in post production on my third feature film. Uh, that one's called Fall of Usher. My other films, uh, which are Loss Prevention, an action comedy, and Wretch, a horror film, are available on all your finer digital markets such as Amazon, uh, iTunes, Google Play. And for those who like old school Blu-rays and DVDs, go to Amazon.com and you can pick them up there. Excellent. So, And visit AuthorNickBrown.com, and that's Nick with no K. My parents were poor. They couldn't afford it. <laughs> Don't judge me. So author Nick with no K Brown dot com. Excellent. 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 Thank you very much. So, Pete, you've been on the show uh, once before, technically twice, because we had to split the episode into two. But sure. tell everyone about your podcast. Well, we're a monthly podcast that uh, dives into similar films of Nick's ilk, uh, bad movies of all sorts, uh, and then we also drink good beer while we watch these films. And we'll also review beer on the podcast as well. I, I'm a home brewer and have been for, oh gosh, uh, going on 20 years almost now, mm-hmm. so I've I've got a little knowledge. I, I get things wrong, but that's, that's okay. Um, and I've got three other co-hosts uh, that I drag along kicking and screaming through these terrible, terrible films. Uh, mostly the guys enjoy it. The, the one gal that's on the cast um, has threatened to leave a couple of times. I was just <laughs> going to say, you say three other co-hosts. Do you still have three other co-hosts? <laughs> Kath- Kathleen came back. I, I was surprised to see her back <laughs> last month. But, uh, but yeah, she uh, reluctantly came back uh, only because – uh, we actually did a film, and I, I picked the film on purpose <laughs> that she was interested in. So uh, we we hooked her back in to the cast. <laughs> First taste is always free. Have, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we do it on a monthly basis, and it's it's a lot of fun. Go to goodbeardbadmovienight.com, dot com, and we've got the Facebooks and the Twitters and the Instagrams and all that good stuff. Excellent. All right. Excellent, sir. Yeah, definitely check it out. It's it's definitely worth it's definitely worth a listen because it's a lot of fun. Your last episode when Kathleen was, I was waiting for her to walk out during the recording. She was so angry at that movie. So. Oh, man, I've rarely seen her so so angry. It was awesome. <laughs> Honestly, I've already forgotten what the movie was, but it was just so much fun listening to her just being angry about it. But I don't remember what it was. It was uh, uh, FDR, American Badass. Oh, okay, that's right. Yes. <laughs> it was a <laughs> film I had not heard of. But yeah. yeah. Oh. It came out the same time that uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter came out. Uh, two, less, two less accolades, <laughs> if there were any. 
for the aforementioned. It, it was overshadowed by that juggernaut. <laughs> yes. Right. Hey, all I've got to say is it was Barry Bostwick's best performance since Megaforce. All right. That's that's all I have to say about that's it. It's hard to disagree. High bar. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Floyd, do you have you're not you're not uh, stepping on another podcast, are you? Uh, no, you guys are taking them all my ideas. So, right. no. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say, uh, Nick, I, uh, I I'm gonna. I, I just subscribed to your podcast. And, oh uh, well, thank you. Yeah, just, I, just now. <laughs> yeah, the land that time forgot and people time forgot. I saw both those in the theater when they first re- were first released. Oh so, wow! Yeah, so I'll be looking forward to listening to those podcasts. And well, uh, you mentioned how poor your fa- your parents were. Well, uh, my parents are so poor. I had to be good for nothing all the time. Oh, wow. Wow. And thanks for listening, everyone. I'm 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 writing that one down. That's gold. (laughs) That is gold. Yeah. And now we featured in one of Nick's films. (laughs) All right. Excellent. Well, we got all the introductions out of the way. I did want to – let's see. I got a couple of news stories and I have a letter. What should we do first, news stories or letter maybe? Let, let's go news then letter. All right, that's fine. Uh, news. This is a little old news by the time everyone's hearing this, but the, that typically is anyway uh, <laughs> on this show. But uh, I wanted to mention it just because, as as listeners know, I've been kind of dipping in and out of uh, watching the old Dark Shadows series, and uh, just recently, John Carlin, who played uh, Willie on the show passed away. He was a, an actor, I mean, probably most famous for dark shadows, but he was in uh, countless film and television, had a reoccurring role on Cagney and Lacey as well. Um, I've, I've seen a few films with him too. And he was just, I don't know. He was kind of like one of these guys. He was just this nice, you liked seeing him. I, I don't know what it was about him. He was fantastic in dark shadows as Willie, this sort of, um, unfortunate and unwilling protector of Barnabas Collins. It's real sad to see him go. He was apparently very supportive in the fan community and everything. And uh, I just wanted to bring it up just because, you know, Dark Shadows is kind of, it keeps coming up off and on uh, throughout the conversations here. Either you guys, uh, Nick, you're, anyone else, Floyd, Nick, you guys, Dark Shadows at all? Pete? You know, I used to watch Dark... I haven't watched Dark Shadows in such a long time. I need to go back and re-watch it. But yeah, I used to love that. But I was watching it when I was a kid, mostly. Mm-hmm. And I don't even remember where it was playing. I just know we got three and a half channels. And <laughs> every now and then, Dark Shadows would be on. And I'd watch it, and my grandmother would come in and ask, What are you watching? <laughs> it's like, I don't know, but it's awesome. You know, which is... You know, that's kind of how I was up until I turned about, oh, I don't know, 40, right. give or take. So. <laughs> well, how often mother... do you get a good vampire soap opera? Right. <laughs> yeah, when my mother was young, she would run home after work, after school, excuse me, <laughs> to watch this. And she described it to me when I was, I think, in high school. And then when it dropped on Amazon... I started gobbling it up, but there's it's there's so much mm-hmm. to watch. Yeah, and I think I'm through like four or six seasons. I forget. Uh, we've gone, we've done some uh, timey wimey stuff. So, uh, and I pick it up every once in a while. It's there's as much as I love Dark Shadows, I can only do about. I can only binge about eight episodes at a time, and then I got to take a break. Yeah, that's kind of in <laughs> yeah. mine. Is that I, I wanted to watch? I really got into it, and I watched a 
my gosh, I must have watched, you know, 30, 40 episodes or whatever, nearly back to back over the course of a few weeks and everything. And then it's just, there's, it's just so much. And there's other things. There's kind of, okay, okay, but now there's this show that's back on the air. Or, oh, I wanted to watch this film. And then it kind of gets pushed to the side. And, and then I think about it and I go, oh, I'll, I'll pick up where I left off. And, and then you watch a few, like you were saying, Pete, you watch, you know, three, four, five, you know, quick episodes mm-hmm. and, and then, oh, okay, but I really needed to go do this or the next day, you know, something else is on that you wanted to catch and it, yeah, it gets pushed to the back again. And it, it's due, it's, I'm due to go back and jump back in again. So I think Am Dark I- Shadows is one of those shows that, all other things that make fun of old monster movies, old gothic storytelling, came from Dark Shadows. The the bats on the strings, the <laughs> sort of stuff, the, uh, the 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 people running into doors, everything that all the jokes that are told about old uh, horror themed movies and shows. I think it all came from Dark Shadows, and they earned it. They, they got it. They got there honestly because they made yep. those mistakes. <laughs> they did, and I, I think that's probably what I enjoy most about the show. I enjoy the, some of the stories, and I enjoy some of the actors, but I think I enjoy most is just kind of watching. You can tell who the good ones are and who the who aren't. Who can you know keep working even though someone forgot their line or someone missed a cue or there's a stage hand right there on camera. Yeah. You know, <laughs> a boom mic. <laughs> yes. I need to watch uh, Dark Shadows for the first time, actually, because when it aired, uh, there was always something else on that either my mom or my sister wanted to watch, so I didn't get a chance to watch it. <laughs> yeah, but there's only one TV in the house, and you don't yes. have the control. Yep. Yes, and we didn't have that half channel. We only had three channels, so we didn't have the extra <laughs> oh, half. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> that half channel made all the difference, trust me. Well, and that, that show predated the ubiquitous VCR, too, didn't it? Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah so. Yes. Yep. So you weren't you weren't getting to watch it if you weren't watching it live. Exactly. All right, this other news story I picked out just because I knew Tom was going to be here and this was something that was going to interest him. <laughs> there is uh, – right now it's kind of maybe a little bit more than a rumor, but it looks like there's going to be more Transformer films. What? Yes. There is going to be a, a oh, film that is – they're both going to kind of um, take off of where this Bumblebee left off or the universe that the Bumblebee film created. I guess they're using that as kind of like a soft reboot. Yep. And one of the projects is apparently going to be based off of Beast Wars. Yeah. Super excited at the notion of it. Yeah, We're a little thought, worried about the execution. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what oh, I was on. thinking too. All the other, tra- all the other Transformer movies were just so amazing. Why are you nervous? <laughs> oh, I don't get Those it. Are strong words, Nick. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm nah. also. You don't know me well enough to understand. That's me being facetious. Uh, but anyway, oh, I, I, I heard the dripping no, no, I sarcasm. No, uh, as someone who, uh, as I get acclimated to being on a podcast for the first time and having my conversations around these, I am a big believer that 
you can have different versions of the things that we all love, and you can find different things to appreciate about each one of those. The Michael Bay Transformer films fail all the way around. (laughs) (laughs) So there was nothing to appreciate from start to finish. So, Oh, come on. What other movie based on a toy manages to work in the Romeo and Juliet laws? Expand on your Romeo Juliet laws. Okay, there's actually a scene in one of the movies where Mark Wahlberg's like the dad, and his daughter's 17, but she's dating some guy that's 21, and he pulls out a laminated card from his wallet and shows that it's legal for him to date her because he was dating her when he was 18. And so, or 17 or something. I don't know. It was some sort of weird thing that allowed a guy who was n- over 18 to date a girl under 18. Because legally. they started the relationship when yeah. they were both under 18. Right. And That's he's showing bizarre. this to the, and he's showing this to the dad. And I'm like, Wow, this Transformers movie has a lot of issues. Wow. Gross. <laughs> and, and by the way, and by the way, Kudos to Mark Wahlberg for not just punching him. (laughs) You know, because I'm just imagining if if I had a daughter and some guy pulls out a laminated card to show that it's technically legal for him to date my daughter, he's going down. (laughs) That's all there is to it. That's all there is to it. Let's be real. Um, Mark Wahlberg is an in-the-moment kind of actor, right? So he totally picked up on the fact that he was supposed to be her dad. Um, (laughs) His performance was just spot on. Um, But at any rate, um, I'm a little disturbed that that was one of the things you picked out of that movie. Uh, There were, okay, this was the same (laughs) film that they forgot to green screen in video monitors on. Oh, really? I've, yeah, I, I didn't bother it. with this film. I didn't even see yeah. the one you're talking about. Oh, I, I I made the mistake of seeing it in the theaters because I had hope. <laughs> wow. You know, hope is a fragile thing, though, folks. That's all I've got to say. You I hope I can still continue with, the, uh, with you guys on this podcast, but... I actually like most of the Transformer films. Oh, wow. Okay, well, <laughs> right, thank well. you for joining us. Um, <laughs> I, I thought the first – I really like the first one because of, of the quirky characters and the, and the, the fun dialogue and whatnot. So, so I, I actually enjoy them. They're, they're brainless fun. Yeah, they're <laughs> audience for everything, see? You know what? And I like Hudson Hawk. So – we all have our dark secrets. I love Hudson Hawk. We did a whole podcast on it. It was great. And I'm I'm constantly berated on Pete's podcast because I actually don't mind Battle Beyond the Stars. <laughs> oh, oh, come on. Battle Beyond the Stars is the best remake of a remake of a remake that I've ever seen. It's just Jeez. brilliant. You know. Good. And Good it's point. got Sybil Danning. Yeah, yeah. True. What were we talking about? <laughs> we were done. We're done. He talking was trying about to do news. news and it went horribly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. I just wanted to bring that up. I knew Tom would be interested. In it. I, I kind of agree with you, Tom. I think, you know, the stories that was told, I remember the old Beast Wars cartoon. I remember the stories being really great. And back then that was all kind of like early CGI animation and it looked really good. 
but yeah, uh, the execution of it on the big screen, a little little worried how it might go. But, a little bit, yeah. yeah but, but we'll uh, see. But you know what? I all the kidding aside, that I actually thought uh, Bumblebee gave a fair reentry back into the the material. I thought it, it was fun and Good. it. And I was encouraged at the fact that they at least acknowledged that this came from a toy line and showed us robots that looked like the originals. Excellent. They tried. So. Excellent. Good. I'll have to catch up on it. I kind of got really turned off on the Transformers franchise after the clanging uh, balls. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had to bring yeah. that up. Yeah. Yeah. That movie was just offensive. <laughs> right. No, that was. And I, that's the last Transformers film that I, I watched at all. So, Let me qualify I, what I said earlier. That is the one I didn't like. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was offensive all the way around. Yes, so was. I will have to check out Bumblebee because you're not the first person I've heard that has said similar things about that film. So that is one I will I will have to go ahead and attentively uh, check out. Happily, yeah, Michael one, Bay man. appears as like a producer credit as opposed to anything else. Excellent. Good. All right. Uh, yeah. I think Tom's on to something. That was probably the best one. Yes. Pen- penciling in, Christopher. That does uh, add, add promise then that any future films are going to be taking place in, in that universe, I guess, as they put it. One could hope. All right. Well, we have a letter, letter here. And this letter is from Matt. Wow! I know he, he he couldn't he couldn't bear to he's only been gone a month and already come on he's already <laughs> begging to be back on. <laughs> <laughs> he writes, he says, "Hey guys, I listened to the Welcome Tom episode, and I like that you two have a history. It's gonna it's gonna lead to some great banter, and maybe we'll even learn some things about Christopher. I never got to find out." That said, I wish I was there because you brought up a lot of points that caused me to talk at my phone. But I'm going <laughs> to limit this to just two things. First, you mentioned being hesitant to come out of your comfort zones. This year, I started a personal project to watch at least one movie or TV episode that I have never seen before each day. A good portion of it has been 25-minute TV episodes, but it's still all new to me, and I got into new series and franchises I would have put off, and I found a lot of gems in just a month. So leave that comfort zone. It's worth it. I think I was kind of talking to Tom, you and I were saying that sometimes we're a little hesitant on uh, when when something new, a new series or something comes mm-hmm. up, and you're we're, we're kind of a little hesitant to trying to decide whether we want to spend the time to try to get involved in this when there's all these other things that we know we like that we could watch instead. I think no, he's referring to. Yeah. Yeah. Now, second, he says, you couldn't think of an original property from the 90s and 2000s that is still that is still popular today. I shout at the X-Files and the Matrix, guys. Anyway, I got to get back to things, but hopefully I can swing by in the near future. Yeah, we were talking about, Tom, you brought it up. You were trying to think yeah. of just any original content. X-Files, you might be able to count that. X-Files was strongly influenced by, you know, many shows that came before it, but I guess you could still consider it. Would you still consider it original? I'd probably consider it original. Um, but, uh, I think where I was going with that is, uh, the, the, the notion that it's, it's a continued thing. So X-Files had its day and it tried to reignite and it kind of fizzled. 
So um, we were talking about when we were talking about original properties, the things that just keep coming back over and over and over again in some sort of iteration. X-Files was fantastic. Uh, I Quite frankly, I didn't realize that made it all the way into the 90s. Um, we're just old. Uh, <laughs> but but no, that that one's a good one. Uh, and Matrix is going to try again. I mean, it did make it into a trilogy. They're going to relaunch again. So we'll see. Um, so maybe, yeah, those are there are a few properties. But I don't know everything that's out there. That's why I love that Matt took the time to actually write that. They're like, yeah, bring that information so that we challenge the notion, uh, I'm not right about anything, <laughs> almost ever. <laughs> just ask anybody that knows me. Yeah. <laughs> just so you know, you, just, you, you must be getting old, Tom, because your memory's faulty. X-Files began in 93. So Did Really? Yes. I, I wanted to think it got started before I got out of high school, but apparently not. <laughs> no, no, that was huh. early 90s. Wow. Yep, well, thank you very much for writing in, Tom, that, that, or uh, Matt, Matt, excuse me. <laughs> you get your co-host mixed up. Yeah, I've got it all, my God. Bit. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for writing that in, uh, Matt. It, very much appreciated, and yes, we'll definitely have you back on the show soon. Okay, let me see. We did the news. We did the letter. Uh, we've got all the introductions. Yeah, I think now is a good time to take a short break so we can pl- I can play a promo for another podcast. And when we get back, we're going to talk about 1979's the Black Hole. Do you enjoy movies like Carnival of Souls, The Mole People, Black Sunday, and The Tingler? Do you find yourself late at night reading magazines such as Film Max, Chiller Theater, or Monster Bash? Do you love vintage television programs like Sky King, Outer Limits, and The Time Tunnel? Do you find yourself surfing the net looking for the next monster movie festival or expo? Do you enjoy hearing anecdotes, cinematic details, and unusual insights into some of your favorite movies? If you answered yes to any of the above, you are encouraged to join your host, Vince Rotolo, as he examines some of the latest horror, sci-fi, and cult theatrical releases, new DVDs to add to your collection, and of course, the old classics, both good and bad. He even interviews people throughout B-Moviedom. So tune in to B-MovieCast at bmoviecast.com. Just how drunk are we gonna get? Welcome to Good Beer, Bad Movie Night, where each month we drink finely crafted brews while watching terrible films in order to see just how drunk you have to get to enjoy them. So tune in and join Troy. Kill more crates. <laughs> oh, that was pretty good. Thank you. <laughs> Dave. I have the weirdest boner. And Pete. IPAs are ales, meaning they are bottom fermented. Excuse me, they are top fermented. I f- that up. <laughs> Try that again. As we drag Kathleen. Hear me. Kicking and screaming through an alcohol-fueled podcast dedicated to movies of questionable quality and the frosty adult beverages that help make them tolerable. 
Good beer, bad movie night. Clearly, it's the beer's fault. There is an inexorable force in the cosmos where time and space converge. A place beyond man's vision, but not his reach. It is the most mysterious and awesome point in the universe. Where the here and now may be forever. On my ship, you ask. It is unavoidable. Moving through space, swallowing everything in its path. Radio waves, light. Are you programmed to speak? Even planets and stars. That madman is headed straight for the black hole. What'll we do? We wait. Welcome back, everybody. Yes, 1979's The Black Hole, produced by Disney Pictures, which my son and I sat down and watched this, and as soon as that came up, he's like, I was not expecting that. (laughs) (laughs) No, this doesn't feel like a Disney film. No, but and this is interesting, too. I always counted The Black Hole as being like a cash grab based on Star Wars. You know, Star Wars in, what, 77, you know, Suddenly, the space opera, or whatever you want to call it, is huge. Everyone wants a little piece of this pie. But apparently, I mean, unless people have been rewriting history or something, this is actually more of a cash grab on the the very popular disaster films of the early 70s, like mm-hmm. Poseidon Adventure and Towering Inferno. Yep, that's what I read, too. So Yeah, that surprised me. This has actually been the, the, the original ideas and scripts and ideas were being kind of bounced around as early as, like, 74, 73, 74. That yeah. surprised me. And considering that the – I mean, right from the get-go, they were going to do a space-based disaster film. I'm like, that's ambitious for early 70s. Although this would explain Ernest Borgnine being present. I was just saying the same thing, because you can't have a disaster without the Borg. (laughs) Without the Borg. Wow. (laughs) That's a very good point, and I hadn't thought of that, but you're right. that This does make it, you could, was he in Towering Inferno too? I know he's in Poseidon Adventure. I don't think he was in Towering Inferno. No, okay. No, he was the Poseidon Adventure guy, though. That definitely, yeah, absolutely. So a descendant of his uh, goes off into space. <laughs> well, okay. Spoiler on the Poseidon adventure there. Oh, wow. I mean, yes. Okay. And as I'm fond of saying, at this point, we the movie, the Poseidon adventure is 48 years old, I believe. 
there's no spoilers. No, no. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, yeah. you just haven't seen it. Okay. Well, we apologize I, to all our teenage listeners who are just getting around to seeing it for the first time. I was about <laughs> to say who are just getting around to not seeing it because it's too old. Come on. Yeah, well, Matt and I oh. already talked about Beside Adventure, so there's been plenty of spoilers on this show already. <laughs> they did. It was a production budget of about $20 million, plus I know they spent another $6 million on advertising. At the time, it was the most expensive picture ever produced by Disney. And it managed to gross uh, almost $36 million in the U.S. and Canada. So while not a, you know, big blockbuster success, you know, they, they did okay. I know I had the puzzle. <laughs> okay. I had the uh, Vincent model kit. Ooh, so I actually nice. built a model of Vincent. Very nice. And I had a bunch of the action figures. Did yeah. you? Yes. Wow. Oh, if I could find them, but I believe oh, yeah. they're all long gone. Because yeah. here's the thing. They weren't the good action figures that you got from Kenner. You know, no. the Star Wars ones <laughs> where they're no. made of that kind of soft rubber. These were the hard plastic action figures. The so they had crack. The, Yeah, they would crack. Their hands would break. That's the thing that always happened. You'd try to put the little gun in their hand, and their thumb would break off. And then you're stuck <laughs> with something that looks like it's going swimming, because all it's got is paddles. <laughs> and that just sucked. Those are the suckiest style of action figure yeah, I out think, there. I think the uh, it was Mego, I think, uh, did the yeah. action figures. Yep, it was Mego. Yep, it was Mego. They made, those. They made 12 mm. inches too, didn't they? They made 12 inch. Uh, did they? I, I thought I saw somewhere they made 12-inch dolls of a couple of them. Oh, no, I don't know man. about that. Oh, oh, God. I if I could have found a 12-inch Maximilian, jeez. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, I had, a, I, I had a model of Maximilian. Nice. Oh, nice, yeah. nice. You had the one that matched up with the model of Vincent that I had. Because oh, yeah. I remember they were on the shelf right next to each other, and my yeah. dad would only let me get one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, that is probably where they actually took a lesson or, or certainly were trying to get a slice of the pie that Star Wars created. And that's what the oh, marketing and, and all the tie-ins. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, definitely with the robots. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I I didn't – I remember the toys. I remember seeing them on the shelves. I never got the toys. But I did get one of the first Whitman comics. And mm-hmm. I had the – Read along, yeah, a little forty-five yes. record, and it was yep. a, a read. Am I remembering that right? Yep, it was. I thought it was a bigger record. I thought it was a. I thought it was a full size one. But yeah, what? I had the read along one too. I'm positive it was a small. Those read alongs were small, like forty-fives, and there was like I had a Star Wars one that was a full twelve-inch vinyl that yeah. told the entire story. So maybe there was one. Uh, for the black hole, too, I'm not certain. That's what I'm feeling, but, you know, I may be mistaken. I mean, but I remember the read-along because I remember it has, you know, when we get later on talking about the story, it actually has just a tiny bit of story at the end that's not present in the film. So, if I'm remembering right. Then the film probably could have stood to have that. <laughs> it, it probably could because I was, and here's why I think that's there. I rewatched the film on Disney Plus because hey, it's Disney Plus, and uh, as I'm watching it and it and it ended, I'm like, but wait, there's supposed to be more hmm. because I vividly remember oh. the dialogue, 
and it's because it was on the read-along. I was thinking the same thing as I was watching this film the last time. Um, really, we're jumping ahead here. But, yeah, wasn't there about a line about something about how they were going to explore or something? Or Yeah, that's what it was something like. Now we have to find a planet ourselves or something like that. I wonder if and, that, that may be – yeah, it might be in the read-along. I wonder if that was something that was maybe um, added in, in like broadcast uh, editions of the film. I don't know. That's for, for television too. broadcast. Yeah, it's written about, but I can't. The, 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 what I've sure. watched is the only version that I've ever known. Um, so this read along thing must really have integrated into mm-hmm. your guys's thoughts. Hmm. Well, yeah. well, okay. This was seventy nine, and I didn't have a VCR at the time. And even if we did, what movies were like eighty dollars unless you rented right. them? Right. So. <laughs> If I saw it on VHS, it would have been several years later. But I remember I was really into the film as a kid. And so I think my parents got me that that read-along. And I burned a hole in any of those that I had. I mean, I was just, you know, they were nothing but smooth vinyl by the time I was done. (laughs) Right. Because they had been listened to till there was nothing left. (laughs) Yeah, I remembered that, but it wasn't in this. I I don't know where I... Would have seen it. I'm going to guess it was maybe a broadcast because uh, I know I was a little surprised too when I put it in DVD and you get the overture. I don't know yeah. if that was in the Disney Plus or not. Uh, yes, it was. Uh, actually, yes, it was. Yeah. I was going to break in on the the whole Disney Plus. It's been the only way that I I've rewatched this, and I have to say it's gorgeous. Yeah, I mean. Of course, I remember the first time seeing this. I saw this at a drive-in with my parents. So, nice. yeah. So that's yeah. So you got the full-on grainy look and all of that. So seeing this on Disney Plus, listening to it, I didn't even know the overture thing at the beginning was ever a thing. So if that was like part of the theatrical release, not part of the experience. It was not part of the experience that I remembered. Mm. Um, so. It was really kind of nice uh, to get that ahead of this, but then just watching it on here, it's so vivid, so beautiful. Well, they must yeah. have, I think it was just released on Blu-ray last year, and so okay. that's probably the transfer that they have on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, that's I have, what I'm guessing. Yeah, I have a DVD that was released, uh, who knows when, you know, uh, when they released DVDs. Uh <laughs> And uh, I, I think it could it could definitely stand a cleanup. There are some of the some of the visual effects and everything. There was moments where it's just uh, I bet you it looks better now. You know, I bet you they went in and cleaned some of that stuff up. Yeah, I think if you got a hold of a Blu-ray or caught it on uh, Disney Plus, you'd probably have a little different experience than your DVD. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Tom, you okay, let, let's talk about our first experiences with the with this film. Everyone was just was just talking tom you just mentioned that you'd uh, seen it in a drive-in nick uh, did you mention this before where where did you first see it was it a theater was it okay at the time i was living in manchester kentucky which was not known for its theater uh scene uh, which is to say it didn't have a movie theater but my uh, (laughs) stepdad 
who wasn't my stepdad at the time, he was courting my mother. Uh, he, uh, to, I thought he was just really liked me. Uh, it was actually, he was getting in my mom's good graces, but he <laughs> took me to, uh, he took me to Lexington, which is about an, about a two hour drive to see the black hole. Wow. And so we went and saw the black hole. That's when he got me the Vincent model. And yeah, that was just an all around good day. And, uh, you know, he married my mom four years later and I was happy about it. So I think he did a good <laughs> job bribing me. But anyway, um, Cause Vincent sealed the deal. Well, you know, Vincent sealed the deal. And I mean, you know, he put up with a lot. I mean, he took me to see Oh Heavenly Dog and Megaforce. <laughs> and for anyone who listened to the B-Movie cast, we did Megaforce a couple of years ago. And I distinctly remember after I rewatched the film, the next time I talked to my stepdad, I apologized to him. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I am sorry, Jim, that you had to endure that. Well, it's good to know that uh, you have that kind of relationship with your stepfather when I've got my own son about asking me to go to the new Sonic the Hedgehog movie, and I'm starting to go, really? <laughs> hey, you know what? It looks cute. I'll take it. <laughs> Gives me and, an now excuse. and now we're into weird territory. <laughs> <laughs> Floyd, what about yourself? I'm assuming you caught this in the theater. This oh, seems yeah. like it was uh, right up your alley. Absolutely. I was uh, a junior in high school in Wabash, Indiana. And uh, and I saw it at my local theater, the Eagles Theater in downtown Wabash, the sprawling metropolis of 13,000 people. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Oh, what's great is that the uh, you know an old opera house converted to theater, so the sound was just great, you know, because all the acoustics the in, acoustics in that theater. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. That would it be, was yeah. it was an awesome experience. Well, and this is a good movie to have good acoustics. Absolutely, oh, yeah. true. Oh yeah, yeah. So, Pete, what about yourself? I I think I saw it in the theater, and I I would have been about six or seven. Uh, when it was in the theater, and I want to say I saw it because I remember being scared as heck when the uh, faceplate was pulled off of the cyborg or whatever you want to call the mm -hmm. the human robot android thing. The crew, the drone, the, oh, the crew, right, right, the crew, and I just remember that stuck with me for a long time and. As I watched it for this podcast, it's like there's a lot that I don't remember. So I may have only seen this once in my life. Oh wow! And it did make that that scene made quite an impression on me. And of course, the design of the robots made a huge impression on me. So it was it wasn't like I didn't forget any of that. But I I thought I saw it in the theaters, and I, I may be misremembering, but um, I'm just going to say, yeah, I saw it in the theater. Whatever, <laughs> good enough. <laughs> Yeah, I think I came to this a little late. I did not see it in the theater. Um, like Pete, I would have been, you know, six when it was in theaters. Uh, so this was actually a film that was one of the early adoptees of the VHS. And so the mom and pop rental company, you know, places would have had this on the shelf. So I'm guessing that's the first time I saw it was probably we brought it home from a, a movie rental place and watched it on VHS. Not your illustrious blockbuster career? 
No, 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 not the blockbuster career. I'm sure it was just the little mom and pop in the strip mall uh, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. It was before pre there was blockbuster. Yeah, pre blockbuster right. video connection or something like that. Yes, well, I doubt it, I doubt it was even called that. I don't remember what it was called. It was like literally I, probably the size. Most people's bedrooms are probably bigger than this than right. the, video, the, the video store. The, uh, the video the store in somebody's garage. My favorite. So yeah, so I came into it a little bit late, but it was one that you know it, it was at the, it was the right time. I mean, Tom and I talked about this last episode that it was you know it was spaceships and lasers. So yeah, yeah I want to watch it, you know, and I, and I love it because it's spaceship and lasers. And I was a kid, so you know the faults don't jump out. <laughs> and what what you what you don't understand or what you don't like, you just forget. And you just remember spaceships and lasers and robots. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was all I remembered. And so, yeah, there were a couple of things I noticed this time. As, you know, having not watched it in about 25 years or more. Wow. Yeah, I noticed there were some things going on. <laughs> like, like there were people in it. Yeah. Well, yeah, there were a couple of people. <laughs> yeah. Let's go ahead and start talking about these these people. Let's talk about the cast here. Uh, we've got Robert Forrester as Captain Dan Holland, the captain of the Palomino. Uh, I thought he was great in this. And Robert Forrester, he's not, he's an actor, he's a name I recognize, and I know his career kind of got a, a jump start, um, when he appeared in, uh, Jackie Brown. Yeah. Um, and prior to that, I guess he'd kind of faded a little bit into obscurity for a little bit. He'd done some minor films and some television appearances maybe prior to that. But the Jackie Brown was really kind of kickstarted his career, and he unfortunately we just lost him. I think just last year, in October. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was his is a name I recognize more than uh, any roles that he's done. I guess you could say. I would agree with you on that. No, I'd agree with you on that. I'm just trying to think of what I remember him from other than Jackie Brown that was before Jackie Brown. That's what's really annoying about it is I recognize his voice. I recognize him. I see photos of him, and I go, okay, I know that guy. I don't know what I know him from, (laughs) but I know him. Well, it was obviously Maniac Cop 3, Badge of Silence. Oh, that's it, of course. That's where you knew it from. Now I feel dumb. (laughs) Yeah, sorry, guys. For a quick pull on him, uh, I'm on IMDb. He has stuff that's still going to be released. Really? Well, I guess it makes sense because I think his 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 passing was rather sudden. So he probably did have some stuff in you know had already been uh, you know he'd already filmed. Yeah, and he's been working straight through this decade. Yep. Wow. Yeah. He's actually got some stuff, I think, in Better Better Call Saul coming out that still mm-hmm, hasn't mm-hmm. been released. So, yeah, I saw he did some work in uh, with uh, Breaking Bad. Who else we got? Anthony Perkins is an interesting choice to star in this film. I know, right? Oh, Norman yeah. Bates himself yes. in a Disney movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, when I saw his working. name at the beginning credits. I was like, "Wait, wait, what?" Yeah. <laughs> I had, exactly. I had no. I did not remember that at all. <laughs> No, I remember. Oh, oh, I remember. oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I, 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 here's the thing. Okay, so it's it's Anthony Perkins, Norman Bates. We're in a Disney film. 
does it not stand out for anyone and spoiler alert uh that he's the one that's most brutally killed in the movie (laughs) (laughs) that was one of the defining moments of this film that i remember to this day because of being the age i was when i saw it to see a man killed like that was yeah. even though they didn't show anything, but they alluded to a great deal. Oh yeah, and, and the way he acted it when it was happening, uh, like that stuck with me for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, oh, it's man. a really interesting casting choice because honestly, outside of the Psycho films, I know Anthony Perkins from absolutely nothing. It's he went from Psycho to Black Hole. That's all. That's all. <laughs> and there's a career for you. <laughs> well, I'm sure he did other things, but as far as like in my kind of movie head, that's right. it. <laughs> we did Psycho 2 and Psycho 3. And... I said the Psycho film. Oh, okay. He, he, he did. There was an ass. I heard it. Yeah. You know, I'm looking at his movie career. And honestly, there's nothing between Psycho and the Black Hole that I would have seen. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, wow. Okay, the Champagne Murders. Oh, okay. Ah, And it was made in France. Oh, okay, sure. Why not? Why not? Yeah. He's had an eclectic career. (laughs) And we uh, already mentioned Ernest Borgnine as Harry Booth. Oh, yeah. (laughs) He's, you know what? You're right. Ernest Borgnine, though, you put him in a film. I'm going to watch him in that film. You know, I might watch that film for Ernest Borgnine. I, I love the guy. He's like your (laughs) happy, friendly uncle who will stab you in the back in a hurry. But (laughs) yeah, in this one for sure. Yeah, don't. He kind of had that. Yeah, don't leave your girlfriend or kids alone with him. Something bad will happen to the kids. Your girlfriend will be, you know, murdered. But, hey, he sure is nice, and he's got beer. Hey, unless he's <laughs> riding around in a really cool black helicopter, and then he's yeah. okay. Yeah. Well, somebody had to do dialogue because Jan Michael Vincent was high, but that's beside the point. <laughs> well, he was just there to look cool in sunglasses. That's, right. Well, that's it. <laughs> Uh, okay. We had Yvette Nimmo is Dr. Kate McRae. She's another actress that I I know her from the Time Machine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know, and I know yeah. she's done other things, but that's what I know her from the Time Machine. And then she shows up on the Black Hole. <laughs> yeah. Till you mentioned Time Machine, I had forgotten she was in that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we got Maximilian Schell. Oh yeah, as Hans yeah. Reinhardt. A very, you know, Captain Nemo-like uh, villain. Oh, yeah. Boy, Christopher, you're... I thought you were going to go a very hairy man. <laughs> <laughs> that Especially... is one of the most marvelous beards I've ever seen. <laughs> he true. did have a good beard. <laughs> oh, man. And it, it and covered it, his whole face. Oh, yeah. And it just seemed to be part of his hair. Like right. it was like the whole thing was one unit, <laughs> so he would never have not had the beard if he had hair. That Probably just seems born with beard. Uh, I was surprised he had a forehead. Well, <laughs> as much hair as he had on his head. What's weird is I've only ever seen him with facial hair, and then yeah. I, I searched him briefly and found a picture, a younger picture of him without it. I'm like, 
who are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, somebody got the picture wrong. That can't be right. Oh, and I completely skipped over the other uh, Palomino crew uh, officer, Joseph Bottoms. Yeah, his career, either before or after this, is not exactly anything that stands out. Okay. Uh, Good. Because yeah. I kind of bottomed out, huh? Yeah. No oh, bottom. Ooh, yeah. Wow. I was I was trying really hard to avoid that joke. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was one of my first thoughts. Is like maybe he was one of those actors that really needed to have a stage name. Because <laughs> Joe Bottoms, you don't really want to put on the poster. Well, it's going to hurt your feelings. Is what well, probably was his stage name. <laughs> <laughs> what his, his name was Joe Asscheek or what? <laughs> Yeah, he had to step it up. <laughs> and we got a couple great voice talent uh, here that are uncredited in the film. Roddy yeah, McDowell. What's up with that? Uh, yeah, I was going to bring that up too. Yeah. Roddy McDowell is the voice of Vincent, and Slim Pickens is the voice of Bob. And, and you know what? When I look at the Bob robot, I sort of see Slim Pickens. <laughs> oh, it's impossible <laughs> yeah. to see Slim yeah. Pickens. You yeah. know? No, they may, they may have been uncredited, but did anyone not know who they were? Instantly. Well, <laughs> yeah. I, I guarantee everybody recognized Slim Pickens' voice. Oh. Roddy McDowell, maybe. I mean, as a kid, I didn't, but I kind of knew Slim Pickens for some reason. Hmm. But uh, Roddy, I picked out immediately, yeah. uh, especially considering all of the things that Vincent would spew out of his mouth, uh, mouth quote unquote. Um, yeah. Because he was never not quoting some classic piece of literature or poem or, yes. And plus, Roddy McDowell has been seen kind of, you know, his face, you hear his voice, but you don't see his face in another film. Right. Oh, yeah, in several films. I mean, the the, uh, Planet of the Apes franchise. Uh, I mean, he he helps make those films, honestly. I I don't know if those films would be those would be those films if not for Roddy McDowell. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's a cast of, oh, I don't know how to describe it. It's a cast of two halves. You know, you've got a couple really solid or like one half is like a really solid group of actors and you got mm-hmm. another half that are just sort of, eh, you know, uh, as much as I love Yvette Mimo, she's really kind of not there. <laughs> yeah. As is Joseph Bottoms, he doesn't really just have a lot of, you know, gravitas. He's there to use the overused word. What's that? Well, he's their Kirk. He's their space cowboy. Uh, Yeah, yeah. You know, okay, this may sum it up. I'm watching the film on Disney Plus with my wife, Fiona. Fiona has never seen the film. She's watching it. She's kind of bored. She's not really getting into it. And there's one. There's a part when they're first riding in the elevator up to the bridge of the ship. Uh-huh. And it's the robot, and you've got the captain on one side, and you've got uh, you know uh, uh, the lieutenant on the other, and you've got Ernest Borgnine there and there. And she just looks at it and goes, you know, they really wanted the, that to be Han Solo and Luke. And it just mm-hmm. isn't working for me. <laughs> and I, and I just looked at her and I said, "I hate you." 
<laughs> he was kind of right, you know, and I just couldn't not see that. Hmm. And I guess Ernest Borgnine was Chewbacca. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure I would put Robert Forrester in the Han Solo role, which is I'm yeah. assuming what she was going for. I think he actually does a pretty good job as the uh, as the captain. I think no, he, he, he kind of walks that line. He's he's not um, he's a good action star, but he's also uh, you know a thinking man. You know, uh, so I think he actually does a pretty good job, and it's actually a kind does. of a, a it's a role that I would like to have seen him do more. You know, that sort of authority, that captain, the 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 police sergeant, something you know along those lines. I think that was definitely a good role for him. Well, that's it. He had a very military bearing in that. Mm-hmm. You know, I he felt like a captain. Yeah, no, he exactly. did. He did an excellent you know, job was, in the role that he was given to play. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, he was carrying it off. Uh, Yvette Mimo, well, she was psychic for some reason. Right. <laughs> I actually yeah. kind of like that. I think that's kind of a neat little uh, little bit of um, a sci-fi thing. Uh, just, it, she, she has like an ESP link with Vincent. And it's like... That's interesting. I think yeah, that's, that's true. I like that. And, and, and they very seldom explored um, option for for this, especially uh, if you want to bring in that the the idea of joining it with technology in some fashion. Mm-hmm. I I did. I, I I really kind of enjoyed that. Of course, it makes us for a bit of a mulligan. It gives you the opportunity to keep communications going with the team in various different locations through the ship. But right. yeah. Um, but still, it was a it was a fun uh, way to actually have that in there, and almost begs exploring unto itself. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. yeah I, I would have liked to have seen more with the psychic ability. What what else? What other force powers do you have, or or whatnot? <laughs> I, so you can talk to Vincent. That's cool. What else? Tell me. That's it. Well, yeah. Well, I, mean, I think there's more. I think there's more to this. Why was it just Vincent? I, that's another mm-hmm. good question. You know, was there something implanted in her? I mean, you know, I mean, I'm curious about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that was definitely, this would be one if, I think if you were, if there was, you know, the black hole, the series, <laughs> you know, that's yes. something you could explore. Coming to Netflix this fall. <laughs> right. We've yeah, got and lost in space, why not the, the black most hole? amazing thing ever. <laughs> well, it's kind of short. Oh, black hole, we're dead. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the version that you can do. Well, yeah, that's it. That's the five-minute video. Yeah, the three-minute the three with bunnies version. <laughs> I think I can believe Yvette Mimo is a scientist still more than I can believe Ernest Borgnine is a journalist. <laughs> <laughs> I was just impressed that they still had journalists in space. <laughs> like, what's up? Okay, now one of the, I'm going to pick on a detail, but um, Vincent at the very beginning of the movie uh, actually says something like uh, they're on day five, four, seven, and of course Booth is supposed to be this journalist, and he's still working for the paper or whatever it is. Uh, but how? Yeah. <laughs> like. It, you just announced that you've been gone for the year and a half. <laughs> I mean, well, 
uh, you know, it's he's going to come back with a lot of stories. Apparently and, so. You know, this will be the Sunday supplements for like three or four years. Yeah, know? I got the impression that they could still communicate with Earth sure. in some way. And yeah. So he probably would wire back, you know, stories. The whole idea of the Palomino was supposedly to search out for for new life and 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 stuff in space. You know, like they were deep space, ex, yeah, deep space exploration. Yeah. And so he was on board to sort of help document and be able to report back to. And you could see it as something that would be done as a PR thing to try to, you know, if assuming that the whatever space. Uh, organization that uh, they worked for was still like a NASA. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could see where they would do something like this as a PR thing to keep funding going. I, that that's kind of what I, where I'm going with uh, even poking fun at that is I, I got to give this movie credit. Uh, well, while uh, while dialogue is not great and the story's a little weak, um, there's a deeper universe that somebody actually thought about mm-hmm. to a degree and and you get glimpses of that every now and then and being an older more mature viewer of it now it's kind of like ooh, i would love to know more about that yeah well you wonder did someone really think of it or is it just you know happy happenstance <laughs> maybe i am reading way more into that than yeah. I should, but but i kind of want to so <laughs> Yeah, until we until we get one of the writers on the show, uh, I'm going to go with that. Yes, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's fair it. enough. And you know, it's a, it's such an interesting little crew too for their uh, you know their deep space mission. I mean, you've really only got two crew members, and then you've got Vincent, and then everybody else. It's like okay, we got a couple of scientists, we've got uh, the newspaper guy, and that's it. And that's it. Right. It's like, oh, okay, we're, you know, and, and we're out here for a year and a half. Okay. That oh, and, and, and rough sailing. And, well, rough sailing. And then they're searching for essentially new life. That's yeah. the crew to represent humanity to that new life. Yep. <laughs> and the first comment would be, man, those people are sure white. that and the smartest one in the bunch is the little metal tin can yeah oh by the way year and a half with vincent on the on the ship Uh, yeah uh, i I was gonna say he'd be one (laughs) he'd have been a toaster (laughs) he'd have been melted down into parts shut up shut up shut up (laughs) you quote at me one more time right Discretion is the better part of valor. Yeah, Shut yeah. up! I don't need any more John Paul Jones. <laughs> the 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 plot in a nutshell: the Palominos in a deep space. They have to find. They find themselves having to make a, a an unexpected course correction, and they discover that the reason for this is a giant black hole, previously undiscovered by them anyway. Uh, upon investigation, they discover the a giant ship, uh, effectively sort of. Orbiting, I suppose, uh, the black hole. And this is a lost yeah. science ship called the Cygnus, which just happens to be the ship that uh, Kate McRae's father served on. It was presumed lost when they never uh, received or, or never returned after being ordered back. Their mission was apparently the same as theirs to search out for new life. And it, the mission was scrapped and they were recalled and no one ever showed up. 
Upon investigation, their ship is damaged and they have to land on the Cygnus, which they find out is not abandoned and, in fact, is run by Heinz Reinhardt and a crew of uh, supposedly drones, uh, robotic drones. And he has a theory, after spending the last 20 years studying the black hole, that he'll be able to uh, pilot the Cygnus through the black hole and out the other side. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. Then we find out, I, I think we can go ahead and, and spoil it. We've already spoiled a great deal of it anyway, so I, I, I'm not, uh, I don't have a problem with spoilers or anything in discussion. Not with a movie this old? No. Yep. We find out that Heinz Reinhardt is insane. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> you think? <laughs> but he has and, good hair to be insane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got the perfect insane hair. Yeah. <laughs> And he has actually, um, what crew he hasn't murdered, he's actually turned into sort of zombies. <laughs> Which is pretty horrific for a Disney film. It is. Very, very productive zombies, though. I mean, they still seem to get the notion of how the ship works. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're, just because yeah. you lobotomized them didn't mean they can't do complicated technical jobs. <laughs> you know. It's sort of like working the cash register at McDonald's, I guess. I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe. Hey, the Cuisinart that he passes all the crew's members through uh, is very effective at just making them know nothing about themselves. Right. (laughs) Along with all these living drones, he also has a robot army, which is led by his very impressive robot, Maximilian. Yeah, one of the yeah, most yeah, yeah. one of the most recognizable. I mean, whatever you think about the film, even whether you're not you saw the film or not, if you're at all a science fiction fan, you'd know this thing. He's yeah. up there with Robbie the yeah. Robot. Yeah. He? Yeah. And okay, I do have one comment. Do you think Maximilian Shell would get confused on set when he'd be talking to Maximilian the robot? <laughs> I, I, I couldn't help but giggle every time he even had to say Maximilian. How uh, Think about it just in our own daily lives. Uh, if you call somebody else who shares your name by that name and it's your name, there's a little little... Like, this, that's weird. Yes. <laughs> and Maximilian's not a common name. <laughs> no. So for his robot to be named after him, and given Maximilian Shell, uh, I dare Hello. say that was planned that way. Yeah. <laughs> it had to be. You don't just pull Maximilian out of your hat and then happen to cast Maximilian <laughs> Shell in your There's movie. There's no way. So... I think I remember reading that uh, I think Maximilian the robot was already there and he was spelled with one L. And then when they hired Maximilian Shell, they actually added an L into the Maximilian robot just as kind of a uh, a um, a nod to the actor. Because there are several different actors that they had approached and originally were planning on having for the Heinz Reinhardt character. At least, again, you know, some of this trivia is, you know, it's online, uh, so take it with a grain of salt, I suppose. Sure. But are you going to tell us who those are? Because yes. I read a couple of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I'm trying to find the, uh, the little trivia. I had it right in front of me, and then I... Uh, well, Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee were... 
Yes, they uh, were two of the names. Tagged mm-hmm. as a possible Dr. Reinhardt. Ooh. Could totally see a Christopher Lee. Oh, I man, wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> I don't think Cushing would have been as well. No. Done as good, but, but Christopher Lee, definitely. Lee yeah. would have been great. As big as that dude was with that huge voice, oh, man. Oh, yeah. He would have been terrifying as a as the crazy Dr. Reinhardt. Yeah, apparently also uh, considered was Donald Pleasance. That, yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, uh, Max von Sydow, and yeah. even Patrick Troughton. Uh, any Doctor Who fans? Uh, wow. I'm trying like that would have been Troughton? really that, that would have blown my mind. Yeah, <laughs> although you need to remind different. a little bit, Christopher. Max, see, see that fellow's name again? Hmm? Maximilian Shell. Are you Vall- going for Max von Sydow? Yeah. Yeah. So there was another Maximilian that could have been <laughs> yeah, asked true. for this. Yeah. We're only seeing Maxes today. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's a few other names uh, that I, I, I recognize a little bit, but uh, Herbert Lom, I believe, wasn't he in um, in the Pink Panther? Wasn't he the? Oh God, yeah. Wasn't yeah. he the uh, chief inspector? Yes. Thank you. Oh. Or oh, the man, no, he was be... the chief. He was the one that was Clouseau's boss. Exactly that he drives yes. insane. Yeah, <laughs> yes. interesting. <laughs> and then Clu- Clouseau could have shown up on the on the Cygnus. Oh. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> now, now I want you to do uh, Pink Panther movies, Christopher. <laughs> oh, we should. We should absolutely do some oh my, a Pink Panther. Oh my I've, I've been kind of Chico, jonesing. stop attacking me. Yeah, I've been kind of jonesing to watch those again anyway. Another name that came up was Jeremy Kemp. Now, I actually know him. Floyd, he appeared once on Deep Space Nine, or on uh, Space 1999, and he played Picard's brother in Star Trek The Next Generation. No way. That's oh, cool. Him? Yeah. That's so cool. He could have done it. He could have done it. Yep. I would have liked that. about a big figure. I mean, mm-hmm. if you want somebody just physically present in the role, that would have yes. been interesting. Well, that's where I think uh, Christopher Lee would have uh, worked really well, too. Well, that way you have a captain that looks like he could physically take Maximilian if he had to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have to admit, I'm kind of sorry we didn't get Jeremy Kemp after, after reading that. Right. <laughs> I would have liked it. I could totally picture him being evil, mad scientist guy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that would have been an interesting portrayal. So let's talk about the real star of this film, I think, is some of the visual effects. Other than some of the obviously, you know, post-animated, I mean, in, I'm, I'm talking actually animated on the film cell kind of stuff with the lasers mm-hmm. and, the, and the, the sparks and stuff like that. The actual production value of this, I think, is astounding. I think, and it's, I think it's really impressive for 1979. I'm on board 100%, Christopher. That's, oh. it was so good. The sets were beautiful. The, the matte paintings mm-hmm, mm-hmm. fit seamlessly into the sets. I mean, you could see, like, when they walked into the control room for the very first time, it felt huge. Yeah. And you knew that part of that, like, the upper half easily was, Maybe the upper three quarters was probably a matte painting, but it was it was just seamless how it moved from the the actual set into the matte painting. And oh, when when the Palomino docked with the the Cirrus, I say that right? Cygnus, yeah, Cir- Cygnus. Cygnus, right? Sorry, um, 
those miniatures, those were so good. Mm-hmm. Those yeah. models were were great. They were just oh, I was I was so yeah. happy. The Cygnus itself is such a beautiful set. I mean, all oh, yeah. of it. I mean, it. You kind of want to go for a walk on the thing. Oh yeah. Well, it looks like the Eiffel Tower flying through space. It really does. <laughs> you, you, you know, I, that's been in the back of my head, and I can't, I couldn't put words to it till you just said it. Yeah, um, it was, does that that framework look to it. Yeah, you know, it had that whole exterior framework, but I mean, and okay, it the movie was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Visual Effects and yes. Best Cinematography. Mm-hmm. True. So, you know, it didn't win, but it was nominated, and that's saying a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, I mean, for a science fiction film, for the Academy to acknowledge a science fiction film. Uh, Especially in rare. 1979? Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. Well, they were probably still trying to get over it being a Disney science fiction film. <laughs> <laughs> and Disney's, if I'm not mistaken, it was Disney's first PG film with the Disney uh, slap on it. That's it what I read. Yes, yeah. it was. You yeah, know, just so, because a little bit of the of the language, and I guess you know the, the well the death scene. Yeah, <laughs> the death scene. I think it was the G. lasers and violence is the mm-hmm. uh, is the you know that's your uh, PG right there, especially Anthony Perkins. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you needed that just for him there. Yeah, no, I think that uh, like the the Cygnus is almost you almost can't call it a miniature. The thing was twelve foot long. I mean, it was an enormous uh, model. Uh, the Palomino, I thought, was an interesting design for a spaceship. It was one you kind of had a hard time grasping the size, the scale of it. Yeah. Uh, it was only when they finally, I think when um, Booth ends up taking off in the end and you see it taking off, you get it in, you kind of really get the impression of how big it is. It doesn't really feel like it's any bigger than like one or two floors. But uh, but when you actually see it finally taking off from kind of like from inside the Cygnus, you kind of get can, that. That's the only time you really get it a size. Oh, okay, that's pretty big. Uh, and actually, when it barrels into the side of the ship, uh, mm-hmm. it, it it's not a small cross section of that ship that it wrecked. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I thought it was a very interesting, um, and you know, not unreasonable. I guess it almost looks more um, aquatic. Than space, and I think that sort of works. The Palomino, yeah, I thought it felt it, it felt like a one of the Apollo spacecrafts okay. to me. Yeah, a little bit with, with the feet. Yeah, well, yeah, you cross that with the notion of how they used to land them um, in the ocean. That that look, that uh, okay. That barrel sit the barrel part sitting on top, and then it's yep. sitting on the 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 drive structure, which looks very like. NASA, um, it, like the old gantry systems, only in this case it is the engines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I think is interesting is the Cygnus looks so amazing, and it is the 20-year-old ship. Yes. And the Palomino, which looks kind of like, I mean, you know, I don't want to say garbage scow, but, you know, yeah. compared to the Cygnus, I mean, that thing's a tugboat. Yeah, the, the space <laughs> buoy. See, that's what I yeah. thought. It looked like a buoy, like a, you like see a it floating in the water. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, now, uh, th- this goes to, okay, they, they scrapped that mi- mission because they sent a ton of people on a giant ship that cost 
god-awful amounts of money. I, I picture the Palomino being uh, more like a smaller fleet of ships going in multiple directions. Mm. Um, I, I get a sense that there was some... That goes to either me feeding into it or any kind of purpose behind it uh, where there's a richer environment behind what we're watching. Yeah. I was just thinking, Tom, it fits into what we were, what we're kind of reading into this is, okay, you've got, you send out this giant ship that costs just probably billions and billions of dollars. Uh, I think Booth even makes a comment about, oh, you know, the sure cost the taxpayers Taxpayers. plenty of money. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, so yeah, that mission scrapped and then it never returned. So that's got to be a big black mark on the research, uh, you know, organization. And mm-hmm. so what do they have to do in order to keep going? They have to scale back. Absolutely. And that's where you get something like the Palomino and a crew of five people. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's all we can afford. Yeah. So yeah, it works. Oh my God. We're going to, we're going to create this whole universe here. <laughs> Disney's busy listening in, and they're going to create. Now that they got Disney Plus, now there's black the black hole of the series. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Why did I say it was coming out on Netflix? Why because they I... carried Disney before this. That's true. <laughs> I almost forget that that Disney Plus is still a thing. So you know, it's like ah. But well, yeah. they need content. So if you're listening, go for it, guys. <laughs> Did anyone notice that I was gone? No, sorry. Well, you're you're, you're off and so quiet, Floyd. I'm sorry. Yeah, I lost my Wi-Fi. My, oh, <laughs> wonderful. I'm on my phone now. Oh, okay. So well, I may hi, sound Floyd. a little Welcome different. Welcome back. Well, Welcome thanks. back, Floyd. We thanks were for talking. I was gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got a lot of people here that like to talk. <laughs> no. Well, to catch you up, I don't know where you dropped off. To catch you up, I was mentioning that the real star of the film was some of the visual effects. Oh yeah. And the, and the production value that went into the film. So you're welcome. Oh, yeah. If you have comments on that, you're welcome to fill in because we're still there. <laughs> yeah. I, I, someone had created a, um, a 3d model of, uh, of the Cygnus printed up, uh, a 3d model I saw, which was amazing. But I thought that the, uh, the Cygnus itself was just fantastic. Mm-hmm. And the interiors, it, you, you mentioned uh, earlier that it, uh, about Captain Nemo. And that's kind of like what it felt like with, you know, the where they dined and just uh, the vastness of the sets and how elegant things were. It sometimes, some ways reminded me of the Nautilus. Yeah. Well, it's this movie heard. itself, this movie is very much like 20,000 Leagues Under yeah. the Sea. It's oh, almost absolutely. a retelling. Yeah. You could almost call it a remake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and uh, it reminded me in some ways of uh, the way they focused on the special effects and, and the models and everything of Star Trek The Motion Picture, where they spent a lot of time really honing in on showing you a lot of mm-hmm. what they created with, with the models. And as well deserved because it was gorgeous, and it still holds up great today. Yeah, yeah. You, you honestly, you almost get that same sort of uh, spaceship porn that uh, next that the motion picture <laughs> gave you with uh, with the Enterprise reveal. You almost get the same thing, maybe in a little abbreviated format with this one when the Palomino is doing the, the searchlight, you know, across the the uh, the Cygnus. Oh yeah, yeah, yep. Pete, what you got? The the costuming, the robots. 
those suits were amazing. I just love those suits so oh, much. Yeah. <laughs> the Starman, the the crew, Maximilian, uh, Vincent, and Bob. They they just they had so much wonderful personality. And, and if there was one thing that this movie did right, outside of the spectacular sets, was they gave personality to all these non-human characters automatons Uh, sure (laughs) call it what you will they all had personality even the the shoot 'em up scene not the shoot 'em up the the target practice scene where where vincent took on star lord or not star lord star 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 Star. so whatever the the black um the the black suited prototype is is that is, wasn't he yeah. the, the original he, yeah so, he was the the original leader of the forces until they created until we created uh maximilian maximilian right so they had that little target practice fun and the, they had genuine personality without having any sort of uh facial emotion going on and it was it was a lot of fun it was it's what you wanted to see uh that, that's that's what star wars did so well it took Wookies and, and droids and other things without human faces and, and gave them extreme personalities. Mm-hmm. And I, I I thought that was a whole lot of fun throughout the entire even, – even the deadpan Maximilian had zero sort of emotion going on, but just his presence and the way he moved. Yeah, no, to your point with Maximilian, uh, they really got a lot out of – Nothing. I mean, he had. Right. There's no voice. There's no anything. But the flicker of the red lights in his eyes, uh, that droning sound when he would turn his head, or or even the way he would face his head to continue to watch people, even as he's moving in another direction. He just an ominous presence, and he never had to say a word. Well, it didn't hurt that they did that thing with his eyes. With his, I guess his eye slot yeah where it was pointed at each end and it was almost mm. like little horns oh yeah yeah, yeah. well you know i mean that, i think you're skipping ahead to the imagery of the movie well <laughs> but, but i mean you see that just right there the first right. time you meet him oh absolutely you know i mean he just has a and he's red he's, he's red. solid red Oh, and, and he's solid. That one of the things that stands out for me, and I like picking up on the little details. Um, when, um, oh, what was that? Oh, I forget the character's name. Uh, Pizer. Mm-hmm. Pizer. Um, yeah, when he uh, when he at one point knocks on Maximilian's head, and you get this solid metal thud. Yeah. When yeah. he's knocking, that's huge. That says. This is not something to be messed with. That's like knocking on a tank. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you got that. Even though this was a throwaway moment, it, it gave a little something to me like, oh, that's that's not a plastic toy flying around. That mm-hmm. thing's like serious business. Yeah, whether that's just really good foley or what, whether or right. not that was really metal, it, it or, works. It, it, gives the care, it gives that thing presence. It gives it weight. <laughs> Yeah, yes. weight. That that's the word. That's the word. Yeah. It had weight to it. When you ran into it, it had it didn't move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the fact that it's hovering the whole time, but mm-hmm. you heard that thud and like, holy crap, that thing's. <laughs> yeah, I loved some of the detail that they put into 
things like, well, we, since we're talking about Maximilian, while he's hovering, he's got the little fins on his legs that slightly adjust and move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, just that sort of like they're so they they look like they're kind of maintaining his his balance. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, that's part's amazing. Yeah. Um. You, you know, they, they gave him the uh, the multi use arms. And they mm-hmm. they would turn for different things that would you know come up and and I was like, there's just things you don't need to do that they did. They put a lot of effort and a lot of thought, you know, into just making it seem that much more real, I guess. So Tom, was it you that had the Maximilian model? No, unfortunately, or was that Floyd? That was me, Floyd. So did did the model come with multiple arms? I don't recall. That's fair. Yeah, that would be neat if you could, like, choose. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, there's, like, some re-release of toys lately, so I think there might be one floating around now. That'd Ooh, cool. interesting. I, I'll keep an eye open for something like that, because that would be very cool. I would definitely get a Maximilian and, and, and a Vincent. That would be awesome. Well, Maximilian and Robbie Vincent made it into the pop universe. <laughs> oh, they did. They I think right. Vincent did, didn't it? Uh, both of them did. I actually pulled it up on. Uh, they're, they're, they were issued a while ago. Apparently, I didn't catch the date, but uh, yeah, they, to get the set on eBay is already like one hundred and forty dollars. Oh uh, well, yeah, that's all right. Thanks very much, though. Wow. That'd be cool. Yeah. Right. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just paint my shop vac silver and call it Vincent. <laughs> and how creepy was the crew? Like the very first time you saw the crew, mm-hmm. something was off. Like this yeah. doesn't feel right. Well, you and it just—I don't know—it was unnerving the first time you saw them, even even though you didn't know exactly what was going on. Well, then that's something I wanted to bring up. Uh, is while watching the film this time, which was the first time in a long time for me myself as well. It's probably not as long as some of you guys, but definitely been ten, fifteen years since I've watched the film. When I'm watching this film, I'm like, man, they do a really great job building up this mystery. I mean, the first, like, maybe 40 minutes of this film is downright creepy because you don't really know what's going on. And it's almost to the point where it's kind of like you're on your edge of the seat. You're almost it's almost scary. And they do the things like that when you got Vincent being very, you know, ominous uh, or not Vincent, excuse me, Maximilian being very ominous. And then you have these odd cloaked figures with the mirrored face masks and that wonderful scene with uh, uh, Ernest Borgnine when he's uh, near the um, uh, what the, the garden, uh, the garden. And he's looking at this thing and you see all you see is his ref- the reflection of his face in this mask. And it's not moving, showing no not like it, not even acknowledging that he's in the room. And all that, and it's like, all right, this is creepy, and you're doing Mm -hmm. a really great job of making a very creepy film. Unfortunately, the movie's longer than 40 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of riding around in in the uh, jet cars or whatever to get from place to place to make up for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I really think that when you get up to the point where it's kind of like the climax of the film is unfortunately when this film kind of starts to unravel a little bit because there are just too many things where it's like, well, 
that doesn't make sense. How does that work exactly? Uh, you'll go from one minute where everyone's exposed to space and fine, and, yeah. then, and, the, and then two scenes later, there's a hole ripped into the ceiling and everyone's getting sucked out into space. <laughs> but then, well, then suddenly, three scenes later, they're all exposed to space again and they're fine. Well, uh, could you be a little consistent here? <laughs> Is it dangerous or yeah. not? <laughs> well, see, space is an odd thing. And yeah, apparently. Uh, when you're near a black hole, there's a lot of oxygen. And, uh, you know, there's air pressure and it's not cold. Yes, go on. Um, I'm just saying, I'm a scientist in this aspect. Uh-huh. Okay. I, clearly. You know, I'm taking on the role of Neil deGrasse Tyson trying to explain... The science of black holes and the fact that, you know, you can totally live. Uh, as a matter of fact, I have a nice summer home around a black hole, uh-huh. and it's very nice, the garden and everything, but you just got to be careful. You Your anti grab works good? Oh, it's great, but sometimes you get the meteors. <laughs> yeah, got to watch and, out for the meteors. And they suck. Well, you know? Wasn't that the plot of the, uh, the 2013 movies, Black Hole? Wasn't that uh, – there was a – some film where a black hole, they were creating black holes on Earth. and uh, I saw that one. Into it. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. Godzilla movie? No, no. Uh, there, there, there was uh, an, another movie called The Black Hole that I think, was it 2013, Floyd? That sounds about yeah, right. I think yeah. Marina Sirtis started it. She's like an evil oh. senator or something like that. Yeah, I think you're out. Yeah. Yeah, that, that yeah. film has a unique ending. I'll just say that in case anyone, anyone wants to seek that one out. <laughs> oh, well, now, now, now i got to go find it. i got to yeah. look that up. Was this one of those sci-fi specials? Uh-huh, sci-fi original yeah. kind of yep. thing? Yeah. I oh, kind of thought so. <laughs> I think I have a copy of it. I think I might have it on one of those, you know, six movies for $2 kind of thing. <laughs> okay, it was 2015. Okay. It was The Black Hole. It had Malcolm McDowell. Dean Cain. What? Superman? Yeah, Superman, Dean Cain, Malcolm McDowell, uh, Izzy Steele, whoever the hell that is. <laughs> Thank you for reading that off. Hey, no problem. Uh, yeah, that's about the only people I recognize right off the bat, but I'm looking at the pictures on IMDb, and all I'm thinking of is all these people are sci-fi regulars. So... <laughs> Hey, you know, if it's the one hey. I th- I'm thinking of, maybe I, I'm thinking of a different one, but it's the one I'm thinking of. It's it's got a unique ending, yeah. So, hey, while you're picking on the asteroid thing, let, let's thank, <laughs> let's take a moment to thank this for inspiring the the boulder roll scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> uh, oh my God, yes! <laughs> because without that giant red asteroid rolling down and them running past it, you wouldn't have had that. And I no. love that scene. I think that is actually. I still think that's a very impressive science accuracy. Effect. Be damned! It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a very Agreed. nice looking scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's also very convenient that that asteroid fit. Perfectly. Exactly. I exactly mean, it, in that was just, it was just that is a that is a one in a million shot. <laughs> you mean it wasn't convenient that the gantry on the twenty year old ship happened to fit the Palomino perfectly? Yeah. Well, that too. Oh, oh God, let's not <laughs> let's not go to and that they had spare parts for the Palomino. On. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, but uh, 
<laughs> you don't know how old the Palomino was. This is true. <laughs> That's true. This yeah. the, the Palomino <laughs> could have been. As a matter of fact, the gantry for it, it if you look at a picture of the model, it's like the gantry was made for the Palomino. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's snuggly. I mean, it's it's not only the right depth; it's also exactly the right shape. Oh, well, we'll see where well, maybe, maybe there's an industry standard for these things. Yeah, that's I, I could be. Could be. Everybody has to design for the International Space Station that way. <laughs> maybe the Palomino's mission is to seek out new life, and oh, if you happen to find the Cygnus. You'll get sick. <laughs> but, That's it. Yeah. So we've talked to a lot of people. We've talked, I and mean, we, we don't need to talk about all. We've talked a lot, a lot of the plot just by talking about you know the discussion, what we've already discussed, and everything. We talked about the visual effects and everything. Uh, is there anything else that anyone else wants to bring up about the film? The dialogue, um, <laughs> and, and specifically <laughs> the Heidi dialogue. Um, I keep getting. I won't let this particular podcast go without bringing up the one thing that uh, Maximilian Shell says at, toward the end. Um, the the moment where he goes, there must have been a cause, but what was the cause of that cause? And I'm like, what My are you God. talking about? <laughs> You're so right. <laughs> like, where did that come from, and why? <laughs> Yeah, the, the, this movie is rife with all of this really elevated, high author kind of dialogue. And I'm like, it's just a space adventure. <laughs> yeah. I think it's one well, of the things that, that dinged it by a lot of the critics at the time was dialogue like that, unfortunately. <laughs> what for me about the dialogue was, uh, was inconsistency. There were moments where... Excuse me. There were moments where it was very corny and very 50s, 60s science fiction like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there were other moments where it was really good, right? You know, so it was really inconsistent. Well, remember, this movie had been written and rewritten over the course of what four or five years yeah. Yeah, right. to get to where it was going, and I mean, yeah. they actually took it and did a bunch of rewrites right the year before they went into production. And I'm guessing, we're talking about 78-ish, I'm guessing that's when they go, okay, and I'd love to have seen the original couple of scripts when this was a disaster movie, you know, but I'm betting that about 78, when they started that last big round of rewrites, that that's when the studio was going, hey, you know what this movie needs is likable robots. <laughs> let's get some, let's get some likable robots in there. Maybe make one of them, make one of them go beep boop a lot and, you know, do something like that. What yes, do you think? Because they guys? saw Star Wars and they exactly. need an RTD2. Yep. With really forced acronyms. Oh, Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, I had (laughs) it right in front of me. Vital information necessary centralized is forced. Yeah, yeah. Uh, You know, it's... I guess it's better than biosanitation brigade. (laughs) 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 And you got to forget the word sanitation. You do a fairly decent slim pickings. Yeah, it is really good. Yeah. Slim Pickens just joined the show. Well, I just got to get on the bomb here and ready. Yeehaw! Sorry, wrong movie. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> 
just realized uh, the one thing we haven't talked about yet is the music so far, the score. We did we did mention the overture in the beginning. John Barry, yeah, probably best known for his James Bond scores. I mean, he created the James Bond theme. Right. So, yeah, but which I also found it funny, he also scored Howard the Duck. So <laughs> take, that, take that as you will. There's no, another the, movie that we've done. <laughs> yeah. I think the uh, the overture is good. I think the main theme is fantastic. The actually oh, the yeah. black hole theme yeah. is brilliant. One piece of music that I don't care for is the action-adventure music when they're having their laser fights. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it has this weird, over-the-top kind of Remo Williams, uh, the adventure <laughs> begins type of you know act of theme. And it's really odd. And what really makes it worse is it's like poorly placed because there's times where like the music runs out but oh wait there's still action so there's this really odd coda <laughs> to like right. just extend it a little bit so they could finish the scene I'm like yeah whoo um, actually on the Disney Plus movie uh that's the theme that that's the the music you hear as part of the overture it is that that star force forced um Music. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, that I didn't care for too much. No, but the creepy uh, the creepy theme, which fits so well, yeah, I have absolutely. been whistling that randomly for 40 <laughs> years. I mean, I, that is like, that's one of those themes that just sticks. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, one of the, uh, the CDs that I still own... Um, uh, Eric Kunzel um, uh, and the Cincinnati Pops. It, w- it was a bunch of uh, sci-fi uh, themed uh, music and the black hole features on that, and I just love it. That oh, that's good. cool. Yeah, it's that's very yeah. Cool. But yeah, no, I've been whistling that theme random. Like, I won't even know what it was that prompted it or what or can even draw back to it what i watched it on i'll randomly whistle that that theme i can't not it's awesome (laughs) and i suppose we need to talk about the ending yes yeah we need to talk about the ending yeah (laughs) writers might have needed to talk about the ending a little (laughs) more well i had the thought as i'm watching it this time that my assumption is now, and this, you know, it's just funny. I, I watched a little special feature on the DVD, or I saw this somewhere, and apparently, even the production crew really didn't know what that ending meant. But <laughs> that is but, so frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I take it when I was watching it this time, I decided that what we were seeing was kind of like hallucinations of the Palomino crew as they were traveling through the black hole. As, as they were as they were dying or being pulled apart, they were hallucinating what they were seeing. Is that what you're saying, Christopher? Well, what we were seeing was their hallucination. I mean, that's what the their their experience was. The sort of hallucination they're seeing 
um, Reinhardt and Maximilian, and then becoming a Reinamillion. Maximilian. As as this satanic figure over a burning hellscape of of these of these drones, and then their escape. The damned. Yeah, through the damned. Yeah, and then their escape through the black hole is this, you know, almost um, heavenly passage, you know, through the the crystal cathedral kind of thing. I'm thinking it's just it's just a hallucination. Maybe it's a shared hallucination. Maybe it's just a hallucination from one of them. But that's the only thing I've got. It's the only thing that makes any sense. Well, they alluded heavily uh, during, uh, especially the run up to the run for the black hole. Uh, talking about wanting to see the face of God and that mm-hmm. this was going to give them all passing through this was going to give them all knowledge. So I, I think you're on to something with the uh, whole idea that this is, this is ingrained in the travel through. Yes. And that's the impression that I got was that it was a, uh, just a hallucination as they, as they were going through and there was a, uh, something that, um, as you all know, Chris, I'm a big Space 1999 fan, and there was an episode where <laughs> they went through a black hole as well. The moon did. Mm-hmm. And and they experienced strange things, aging and uh, and talking to this disembodied voice. And so I was already kind of used to <laughs> experiencing <laughs> strange things from, a, from uh, media as far as going through a black hole. So I felt like you did that this was just a hallucination and and that's all it was. Yep. Well, you know, the movie Interstellar even uh, um, oh, made yeah. it a very weird experience to be involved directly with a black hole. So, I mean, there's something I, I guess when someone feels the need to write about something, maybe I, I don't know. Did Stephen Hawking feed all these people? Um, <laughs> I, I mean, there's something about once you're talking about the direct interaction with a black hole, it gets very ethereal. <laughs> but but is it is it they're hallucinating as they're being pulled apart by the gravitational forces as they're dying? Are they hallucinating or have they actually breached some sort of portal and they're hallucinating as they're traveling through it? Yeah. I'm, I, yes. Okay. Hey, I yes. saw them go down the All drain. They made it. <laughs> okay, they made it. They made it safely. They didn't die. Okay. Because I was under the impression that they all died, <laughs> and the bad guys went to hell. The good guys went to heaven. Mm, interesting. You're not necessarily you. You've got a point there too. Because uh, if you take a look at how the ending goes when the uh, when they're in the ship that's going into the black hole the this the probe um, the lighting looks a certain way when they're in it and start heading toward the black hole and when they come out the other side it is bright white inside mm, that place good point so maybe they did die maybe they well, have I, gone on to better things it may be i thought it was because they came out and it was a white hole behind them mm-hmm kind of the mirror opposite all all good points none of them yeah. wrong. 
I think yeah. we are thinking about this a lot more than the writers. <laughs> I just yeah. want to point that out. This well, when we talk things. about a movie that's been in development as long as that one was, yeah. and I'm sure at some point they said, somebody just put this on film and get it out. <laughs> yeah. Cut print. We need it's- to make some money on this thing. Let's roll. <laughs> so, yeah. And so, yes, we're probably overanalyzing. <laughs> but that's all right. And the thing is, you know, they could have just had them – leave it's like okay the black hole the ship the you know the cygnus got torn apart and sucked in and we left on the probe ship and we're heading towards earth but that would have been a little too disney for this disney movie that's too much like today that's like today standards more i actually kind of like the idea that we went we went for the the whole thing there's a black hole we want to fly through it let's fly through it but they didn't really want to fly through it. Well, they didn't, but we got it done. <laughs> well, I appreciate that it was an ending that leaves you wondering what happened. And it wasn't the, okay, what we need to do is explain everything. And here's here's what happened. And this is what they did. And this is what's going to happen. Yeah, I don't need that. I don't want that. I like it that it's an ending that, you know, a bunch of people can sit here on a podcast and try to figure out and have different opinions and, okay, yeah, they died. No, they didn't die. No, it's a hallucination. I like that it's an ending that can spark discussion. It's a less interesting podcast if the the ending is defined for you. So right. this is what happens. Yes, right. they could have just gone, oh, we escaped and we watched the Cygnus get swallowed up and, whew, we're, we're mm-hmm. okay. They could have done that. That would have been a very <clears throat> safe ending. But it's not interesting. And isn't that what you want from your science fiction anyways? Is I would hope so. You want yes. to be provoked into conversation to think about uh, what what did it mean? What did we learn? How does it make me feel about me? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Tom, you yeah, have here. <laughs> I am. I'll do that from time to time. I'm too busy thinking about being the Maximilian mashup. <laughs> and like standing where, like where over, his legs went? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, he's he's called Gimpy now. Yeah. But that's okay. You know. Uh yeah, no, my head goes there too. I'm like, wait, his eyes are in there. Where's the rest of him? <laughs> uh, he's just all squished up. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that could be part of his damnation too. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, he's just been, you know, torsoed. Yeah. Oh, now I'm, I'm curious. Down. With all the stuff that we all collected as as kids, did anyone have? Because there was there was like a movie adaptation in comic book form, and there was something called Beyond the Black Hole, and I've never read any of that, and I only recently uh, prepping for this podcast. Found out, found that there was something called Beyond the Black Hole. I don't know if there's a lot of those issues out there. They might be valuable. I don't know. Uh, but have any of you read any of the Beyond the Black Hole comics? Nothing. Not me. Yeah. Damn. Damn. Now, now I kind of want to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because if you've if if you've breached that barrier, what's next? And what was it? Was Nick? Was it? Were you saying that the you remembered that the Reed and yeah, uh, it was like the Reed, Reed had some sort of uh, prologue or, or epilogue. As, well, as, yeah, yeah, it was, and it wasn't much a one. 
it was just like a single line or something, but they say something at the very end of it. Right. And it's something to the effect of, hey, uh, you know, let's go find a place to live or it's time to explore. Yeah, something to that point, you yeah, know. That's it's, what I remember was kind of like, what do we do now? And we, yeah. we, do, we, we do what we were sent to do, sent out to do, we explore or something. Along <laughs> and you can't get back. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm curious if any of the listeners out can. there, I'm curious if any of the listeners out there have read these or have access to them. I would be real curious to read these, uh, read these comics, just because a continuation of this story is merited. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I was going to make that point that the way they that the film ended leads to exactly that, wanting to see what they find beyond the black hole. Are they in our universe? Are they in a different universe? All kinds of possibilities. Yep, absolutely. It could and, have been uh, a franchise. And the comic is available on eBay. Oh, well, I'm well, sure it is. Sure it is. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it available at the library, too. though, which is my price range. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that might be something I'll have to kind of keep an eye out for at the, some conventions and stuff. Just have to start mm-hmm. poking around the uh, the B cat section in the boxes <laughs> <laughs> the b <laughs> right yeah just see what's out there yeah well i think we need to put this one to bed because we have been talking about this even longer than i was expecting i knew it was going to be <laughs> with all of us on here i knew it was going to be fairly wordy <laughs> what? a lot of people talking <laughs> wait what there are people who want to talk you might say we went down a black hole on this. Oh, God. Handle oh. that note. Chris, yeah. please bring this yep. thing home. Oh. On that note, on that note, I want to thank everyone for joining me. Pete, thank you for joining us. This has been awesome. Thank you, Christopher. Floyd, thank you very much for. I mean, you were the one of the first ones to jump up and say that this was a film that you wanted to do. So I'm oh, so yeah. glad you got a chance to come on. I'm sorry we lost you for a minute there, um, but I'm glad you came back. <laughs> I'll blame Cincinnati Bell for that. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> Nick, thank you and welcome. You know, for coming onto the show for the first time. I hopefully oh, not be the last. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on, Christopher. Seriously. And I will. Uh, I guess I'll see you at Monster Bash. Yeah. Oh, so jealous. That'll be coming up in uh, June, right? I think that's yep, the month. June, yeah, and that's uh, that's when we should be premiering the B Movie Cookbook Two. Uh, the 1960s loved it I, I i i really enjoyed your 1950s so well as a matter of fact i'm going to put a contest up on the b movie cast site about uh naming the movies based on the characters you see on the cover okay nice so there you go <laughs> all right and tom thank you for joining me once again of course i guess uh tom and i hopefully will be back here in a couple weeks We'll definitely have a show in a couple of weeks. We got with me and someone will be here. <laughs> oh, I'll be here. All right, figure out what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, good point. So yeah, so that'll do it. So we will talk to you guys in a couple of weeks. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, and that's it. All right, bye everybody. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.